Hi, I'm Brian O'Driscoll and you are listening to Bears Beyond the Gate. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're four season card holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bears. After the disappointment of the week one defeat to Saracens, we thought things could only get better in round two. We were wrong. They got worse. We'll dissect the 44-8 defeat away at Wasps and ask where do we go from here? We also look ahead to the big West Country derby on Friday with our friend from Bath Bites, a game we really must win to get the season up and running. We also talk ale with Bristol Beer Factory. All this and more in this week's show. I'm Tony and I'm joined by Lee, Miles and Pete for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Well, I'm delighted to say we've uh, we, we've had a change of studio this week, um, and we are at Miles's stately home. So, Miles, um, thank you very much. I believe you you gave the nanny the uh, the day off, which uh, I think she gets her birthday off on Christmas. So, um, in fact, is it true that when you went to the nanny agency, you did ask for someone that was born on the 29th of February in a leap year? So you only had to give them. <laughs> <laughs> the day off once every four years but anyway a very warm welcome uh, you you given to us at the at the mansion so thanks for hosting oh you're more than welcome was it's nice to have you back in the sorry it's out in the west wing but it's nice to have you back around for once and and lee fella how how are you this uh this this week i'm very very well tony one thing you did forget to mention was that uh Mars is stately at home, complete with new wasp knocker. <laughs> yes, yes, we had a good, good rap on the door, didn't we, when when we arrived? And uh, Pete, well, as we heard at the uh, the start of the show, there, right at the the very beginning, you met Mister O'Driscoll in Coventry. I certainly did. Yeah, I I, I made a, a last minute decision to, to get on the supporters coach and, and go up to Coventry um, and uh, I thought I'd try and get something positive to bring back uh, saw Brian O'Driscoll gotta say he's not the biggest lad in the world he was uh, when I approached him he, he, he did look a bit nervous but when I explained what the podcast was all about and whether he'd like to support us with a, a little intro he, he was very happy so fair play to an absolute rugby legend absolutely and, and do you look a little bit nervous because you were wearing your speedos uh, I was, I had my shorts on underneath, but uh, to be honest, it was it was a bit parky. I never got a chance to, to to show them off. You had your shorts on underneath your speedos. Uh, that's it. No, the other way around. <laughs> well, no, actually, what I did was I had the speedos on over the shorts. You know, just as a sort of for safety. No wonder he was looking nervous. Yeah. Superman, Superman. So. Um... <laughs> Did, did you go to Coventry on your own free will or did we send you to Coventry? Well, I think you've answered your own question there, Tone. <laughs> <laughs> there was nothing special going on in Coventry, there was there, boys? Oh, oh here we go. Boom, boom. Here we go. Right, so, um, blimey, as I said in the intro, we, you know, we were disappointed in that round one fixture, but... Um, we didn't think things could get worse, but they did. But Lee, let me come to you first. Saw the team sheet come out on Thursday. Were you fairly confident we could go to um, go up to Coventry and do 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 the job? I was when I saw the team sheet. I thought, well, that is, that's about as strong as we could get. And um, and I looked at the Wasp team and I thought, well, they've got a few key players out as well. And I I, I genuinely was more optimistic than I've been all week, even though it was Wasps. Even you know our bogey team, um, 
even though it was them and, and it was away, I still thought we would come back with the points. And I thought we would actually win convincingly, to be honest. Yeah, I, I mean, I must admit, I when I saw that Johan Lloyd was fit when um, Charles Piatow was fit, I thought, right, this, this is game one, because I, I thought we might be struggling for both of those. Uh, and obviously to see Purdy back on the uh, as one of the spare bears, um, it was great because he, he he really does make a difference, I think, to to the team when he plays. So Miles, um, just tell me about that first half. I mean, how how were you feeling, kind of ten fifteen minutes in? Were you were, were you confident? Did yeah. did you think they they were looking much better than us, or did you think it looked pretty even, or or were we or were we looking better than them? I see. I mean, despite them being a few of their key players down, and you know we are the same. I thought we looked pretty even, to be honest with you. And there were some positives in that first half, believe it or not. Um, I think with um, Leif coming in with Thacker and Thomas in the front row, I thought our scrum looked much improved over last week. We got a bit pushed over, didn't we, by Saracen? But we, I think we held our own. Um, and sadly, obviously, Thacker went off after what only eight minutes, and Capon came on. But what was great is his throwing at the lineouts was crisp. I don't think I'm not sure he missed one, so that was really encouraging. Um, and Lloyd looked encouraging, really, all over the pitch. So I couldn't really put too many negatives on the first half. You know, we ended up 16-8 down. But, you know, and as Pat said, we don't want to chase the game. But I thought first half, pretty positive, pretty even. And I thought things probably would improve after that. And and it was great to see Max Lahif get that try. Um, what was that? Only his second try. Yeah. And I think it's been eight years since he last scored. And um, I wonder what odds you would have got at the bookies that after two rounds, the mighty Bristol Bears top try scorer would be Max Lahith. <laughs> I think that if, if, if you had a tenor on that, you'd be sitting pretty, pretty, pretty at the, uh, at the moment. So 16-8, you know, the game wasn't beyond us. Looked like if we could sharpen up a bit, you know, we, we were absolutely still in this. Pete, how did you see that second half? I mean, you were there. What what was it like to to experience that in person? Well, I mean, it goes without saying that it was it was a bit disappointing. I uh, I was sat amongst obviously a load of Wasps fans who, to be fair, were were good and they were they were pretty. Um, you know, they were they they didn't give me a hard time. Um, and and actually going back to what Lee said earlier about thinking that we had a strong side. I mean when I was chatting to these fans before the game started, they were saying there was half the team they didn't know anything about. And they were very, they were they were fairly phlegmatic about the result. They didn't think that we, Moth Wasp was going to do much. And I've got to say that, um, Mars is right, the first half was 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 pretty solid, but 16-8 down, I just, you know, we let, we let two tries in and that was the problem that started in the first half. They looked dangerous when they got into our 22 and we didn't and that just then carried on into the second half and the second half was a, a litany of rugby basic failures I've got to say it was depressing how many times we coughed up possession how many times we gave away penalties how many times we knocked on and, and how many times we just can't finish good breaks and there. It's, it's getting beyond a joke. You know, we make a great break. We then, we don't pick it up. We, we knock it on. I mean, forget about the, the penalty, the, the try that wasn't given. You know, that was taken back by the TMO. We can argue whether that was right or wrong. But that was just one moment. Uh, and there were others that were just depressing. I, I, 
it just felt, I've got to say that very early on in the second half, a bit like that Saris game, it, I just felt we're not going to get anything out of this game. They just didn't feel, and this is just a subjective feeling from me being there, that there just wasn't some oomph in the side. There, was, there seemed to be a kind of a lack of somebody sort of knocking heads together. And, and I think it takes us back to what we said last week that, you know, with the front row, we're getting a bit turned over last week at Sarah's. We, we needed a bit of filth. And to be fair to the front row, I thought they did all right. Miles is right. They held their own. But as a unit, as a forward unit, we just didn't, we were second to everything. And I just felt we needed, we needed somebody to just start telling people what to do. There was, there was, it didn't feel like there was anyone directing um, so it, it just just ran away from us, and in the end, it was just embarrassing. I've got to say, a couple of those tries, people going missing, a few tackles going, just felt there was no way back. And Miles, let, let me come to you because obviously, like me, you watched it on the TV. Potentially a turning point. I know um, Pat talked about it. I'm not convinced if the try had been given that actually we would have got still any anywhere near. But um, Piers O'Connor holding that ankle um, fair that the try was scratched off yeah I think I think so personally I think it went back to the TMO quite a few times and there was a bit of argument um, that yeah it was a loose hold of the ankle but Dan Robson is a pretty nippy scrum half as we know like Uren and yeah potentially he would have got across and blocked Uren who ran through and you know scored um, and uh, offload in the final score yeah it, it seemed pretty obvious to me I don't know what Connor was thinking mm. holding a man's ankle on the ground when he's clearly not got the ball uh, I think that's a fair decision sadly yeah and I mean let's all, all we, yeah. we all acknowledge the dark arts in the ruck but when when you were so obviously holding an ankle like that and I mean he had one arm on it which he might have got away with then he put the other hand on it uh, and I mean, then the irony of it, all it is that having adequate I, mean, I couldn't see what happened on the game and then even with the, the screen I mean the Wasps fans by me were saying poor that looks a bit soft you know not got given that try so it was hard to see but and you boys would have had more of forensic kind of analysis but it, to me it looked like even if he hadn't been holding it there was a there was a Wasp forward in the way of Robson it was almost as if he would he would have struggled to get over to Iran anyway so it was a complete waste of a blooming opportunity to do the dark arts I just felt and it just goes back to it was it was exactly the same as everything else. It was thinking unclearly under pressure. It was a poor decision by O'Connor to do that at that time because he didn't actually need to. Yeah. And there was yeah. there were a lot of poor decisions. And, and I, I hesitate to say this because I don't want to get slammed for being negative, but that's how you win rugby games. You are clinical at the right times. And we lost yesterday, so I don't think it's unfair for us to point out that certain players and, and I think we have to blame players on this certain players made poor decisions at crucial times and the trouble is there was a lot of them cumulatively and, and consequently we were 44-8 we lost so we, we have to we have to raise this but the good thing is you know they'll know that and it's almost like it's obvious what went wrong so we've got something to work on but, but don't you think uh, I mean come to you Lee some of those things were obvious from the Saracens game and they haven't improved. Yeah, and again, I mean, I, I agree with Pete. I think that we, you can call players out, but I do think as well, 
to counterbalance that, some of the nonsense that's been written over the last couple of days, you know, by some of our so-called supporters have been a bit yeah. way over the top, and mm-hmm. in, in my opinion. But yeah, I, I, I just feel sorry. What was the question again? So, <laughs> well, just just <laughs> some of those things that some of those lessons that we thought would be learned yeah. from the Saracens uh, game really didn't seem to be um you know our ability to cope with or or change things up with a rush defense some basic kind of handling errors i think we conceded we conceded 20 turnovers mm. in the game and pat talked about this afterwards on, on the interview i mean that was a real real killer uh, yeah i mean there was eight or nine in contact as well as mm. pete said which is mm. shocking uh, i mean the thing is obviously we did make some adjustments because like Pete and Miles had said the front row was tighter and much stronger than Sarri's. But it kind of feels like we've tightened up that area, but then we're kind of kind of almost covering gaps elsewhere, aren't we? And the thing, I think it leads to a bigger problem for me is that teams, have, I think, have sussed us out. Hmm. And I think we, at the moment, we don't seem to have a plan B or C to to combat when teams do come at us like that. And I think that's where we need to to start working on, you know, on the training field is actually working out when teams do come at us like that, how to work around that. And I think you're right. You said earlier, Toe, that Wasps didn't do anything particularly special, but mm. they were solid. They were mm. in the contact. They they were making yards. They were, Their defence, Le Bourgeois and whoever they are, and Feketoa, they, they were just, they were like 5%, 10% better in the contact the tackling was hard the forwards just made the forwards just seemed keener and that's what worries me a little bit is that I think our forwards should work this out during the game so right we've got to, you know we've got to, we've got to take control because it's where it starts if you are on the front foot and your forwards are taking control then it's a lot easier yeah. to play the running game if you're on the back foot as we know it is very, very difficult. And, you know, despite all that, we still made some good breaks. And then that was the other problem, was that once we made all those breaks, we didn't finish them. And that's yeah. another issue. But I do worry slightly that our forwards just look a little bit underpowered. Now, whether that is because of their, their ring rusty, and they're still ring rusty because they didn't have a pre-season, or whether that's just because they haven't quite got up to speed. But I think that's where we've got to start yeah. looking at. And actually, it goes back to last week, I think... Having said all that, I think Thacker going off and Capon came on, came on, did give us a bit more solidity in the front row because I think Capon is a better scrummaging hooker. But unfortunately, it's the pack, it's the unit that had to be better, and the unit has got to be stronger next week. It's got I, to be stronger. I mean, I, I think as well. I don't know if you guys agree, but Lua Tu and Vui are, are two of our outstanding players, aren't they? And, and both Mr. Reliables, and they've had. Fairly Quite average games, yeah, yeah, and that's that is absolutely unheard of. I can't remember them actually being that average for. But I, I don't think it's, it's, it's. I don't think we can rely on individuals in some ways. But we just had to get as a unit. We had to get ten percent better in that second half, fifteen percent better, and someone has to kind of marshal that. And I just think, for whatever reason, we just didn't have somebody knocking heads together. Well, do you think we're sort of missing the, I hate to say, the Afoa and the Sinclair yeah. hard-nosed, and, you know, experienced and, players up front? I mean, and, you know, and since you've been a passion, since when have ever known our driving wall not push over and score in a match? And it failed on numerous times. I mean, that was a string to our bow, wasn't it, last mm-hmm. season? Yeah, absolutely. And I wonder why that just wasn't working, did it? On every occasion, in the red zone, 
it was hard. Yeah. I mean, it was. I mean, it was hard to tell. I mean, I think they just weren't. They were just outmaneuvered and outpowered by a wasp pack. The first game, like what we were hoping last week, that if first game you'd be really up for it at home, going for it, and that they did everything right. Wasps to to play the first game of the season to give their fans yeah. a good start. You know, but but, but but they did that with half their first team yeah. pack missing. That's yeah. the worrying thing. You know, Willis, the the other Willis is uh, what's he called? Jack, isn't Jack, it? Jack yeah, Jack yeah. Willis. No launch free as well. Yeah, um, the, playing, a, playing yeah. a flanker, he was a hooker. Yeah, um, it, it is worrying. I, th- I think you're right. I mean, Luatua and uh, Chris Vui didn't play badly, but they they, they were just okay. It, it, yeah, yeah. And what it, it's interesting, you know, I'm, not that I want to get into that wolf pack mentality of Saracens, but you know. When Ben Earl was with us last year, you saw that passion. Yeah, when yeah. when we win a penalty, yeah. we just we just didn't seem pumped no. up at all. Yeah. I mean, for all our millennial listeners out there, it was all a bit meh. Meh. <laughs> and I, you know, it didn't help with Thacker going off after you know um, what was it about eight or ten minutes? Yeah, but yeah. did you see the bandages on his on his yeah. leg? I mean, last time I saw that number of bandages when it was when I went to see Tutankhamun at the, <laughs> the, 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 the British, British Museum. He, you know, if, if you've got that much padding on to start with, yeah. you don't look like you're, you're you're fully fit. And I know they said it was a knock to the hip, and then Leoa going off as well. I mean, I, we, we just you know the centres as well, Leoa and O'Connor just. I, I, we didn't, I, we didn't yeah. see much there at all, no. did we? I mean, I felt as though, again, I haven't watched it back, hardly any of it, so just what I remember. I just felt Piers O'Connor was a bit off the pace. I just think he's lost a bit of form. Oh, he's oh. not a bad player. None of our players are bad. I think we're just a bit off form. But, you know, let's remember that form is temporary and class is permanent. So I, I think we still have to be very positive about what we've got. We know we have players and maybe the combinations haven't quite worked but there was too many players slightly off it. And then, of course, as soon as you start chasing a game, trying too hard and, and going away from the system, which I guess is what happened, um, because if you're letting like, random young bloke subs who come on just run through from a ruck for 50 yards for a, for a try, I mean, something's gone wrong with the system there, hasn't it? So, yeah. I think O'Connor needs a semi, though, well, doesn't he? Does. That's, yeah. that's the problem. Don't I we know. all let me know? Coming out with a Miles comment now. But you know what I mean? It's, it's genuinely, I mean, O'Connor always will play better when semi's making those breaks, and it just gives him that fraction of a second more time to, to break away. And and he's not the same when he's playing alongside someone else. And, and you know, as much as we all love Alipati, he's, he's, he's no semi-Randrandra, is he? I, I think one of the things that sun, summed it up to, for me is when uh, Robson managed to get his boot in the way of Andy Uren's pass. I forget which try it was in the second half. But you could just sit... I was at the television screaming because you could see what was going to happen. You know, why didn't Andy or one of the players come, you know, right behind to, to give him a different option? And, and just those kind of basic decisions, as you said, Pete, under pressure, were just not happening. Um, and it, it, incredibly, incredibly disappointed. But if, if I had to look on the bright side, I think, you know, people have already mentioned the front row did better. Mm. 
we weren't dominant, but we 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 were certainly on par. Um, and one of the things um, that I thought Charles Piertau and Johan Lloyd looked the players yeah. that could mm-hmm. do something uh, and be dangerous. And in fact, I think Charles led with 89 metres from 11 carries, uh, Johan Lloyd for 82 metres from nine carries. But the thing that was the bright spark for me was seeing Purdy back on the pitch. Yeah. So I thought every time he had the ball, Miles, I, I don't know what you thought, it looked like something was going to happen and that that's that's the bears way that you know in that little bit of broken play we want players that can make a difference your, your thoughts on purdy being back i mean he looked great i mean um am i right did, did adi Loken get subbed off yeah and purdy on yeah i mean we all knew that we were sad that purdy wasn't available for the start of the season adi Loken looked average to poor today i mean Pete was just saying he'd have well, some terrible well, plays. It was off record. Like, it was off record. Well, I just think, I think to be fair to him, he'll hold his hand up. He didn't have his greatest game. But the guy was key. You know, I, I, I hesitate to criticise professional rugby players because they put their bodies on the line. Of course. They, yeah. they, they work through pain. But I don't think he would hold his hand up and said he had his best game. And I, I think we'll leave it at that. Yeah. And I think Pete um, came on and, he, and I think he played... He, it's a solid game. He played really well. And I think, you know, we've had our wings on in the last couple of weeks who we didn't expect to be on the wing, did we? And I think the minute potentially we get like a Purdy and a Morahan back, it will change well, things up, hopefully, significantly. I, I think, actually, you mentioned you were about to say it, Leonie. I think us missing Morahan these first two games has been a massive yeah. problem. I just want to go back to Purdy because I was sat quite close to the the dugouts and where the subs were and I got re- I need to text you boys because Purdy they had one of those bikes and so before he went on he got on it and he was starting to pump those pistons like that. <laughs> and I knew it was coming and you could see him he started slow and then he got to a right old like sprint he was like watching Mark yeah. Cavendish pump and then he went on so uh, I thought you were going to say it was like looking in the mirror wow well, yeah. Yeah. but um, yeah so yeah you were going to say about Moran I, earlier no it's, I mean obviously I mean you've already said that now Pete but I was going to say the last <laughs> The last two, the, the two tries in the last two minutes for me were worrying because yeah. I know Pat was saying we were chasing the game, but for me it looked like heads had gone down. And, you know, I think it, it, even at 30 points to eight, we've, the game's out of our, our control anyway. We're not mm-hmm. winning that. And to concede two late tries, and I do think that's the first time we've seen heads go down properly. And, and that's just my take. I don't know what you three think, but... That that was worrying for me. Well, I'll tell you what happened to me. My my BT stream froze just after they scored the second to last try. And it took me about 90 seconds to get it rebooted. And I thought they were showing a replay. Of <laughs> and then I looked at the scoreboard and saw that they'd scored another one. And you're absolutely right. It's a bit like football, isn't it? If you if you fall one down going into injury time, actually just accept it and make sure you don't concede yeah, another. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was nothing we could possibly get out of that game at that point. No. And uh, yeah, very, very, very disappointing. But let's, let's, Pete, I'm interested because this is certainly the, is it called now the Coventry Building Society Stadium? Stadium. Um, What was it like? It was, it's it's good. It's a smart stadium. It's a football stadium. It's it's one of those kind of identikit on a ring road stadiums. Um, It's a bit dark and dingy in the concourses and not a lot was open. Uh, There was, (laughs) there was a few queues for drinks um, but I've got to say, 
I better big up the Coventry Building Society. Some young lady was handing out vouchers, £10 meal vouchers beforehand. And of course, I just assumed it was like, you've got to spend 50 quid to get £10 off. Queued up, got me balty pie, pint of Guinness, chocolate bar, came to 10 quid. I thought, I'll give a go at this. I gave it to the girl and she said, yeah, that's fine. Uh, it's, 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 it's £10.80. But you only have to pay ATP. So, oh, that was, so big up to the, the Coventry Building Society. I got a free meal out of it. Can we just have a little round of applause for the Coventry <laughs> yeah. Building Society? Oh, yeah. uh, but um, yeah, I mean, it was it was all right. The atmosphere was pretty poor. I've got so to say, there were eight and a half yeah. thousand. Were there? It was pretty exactly. empty. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I know some people fans complained a little bit about the atmosphere at our place, but whew, I mean, it was. The, the Wasp fans did what was what they did when they scored. They cheered and, and they got a bit excited when they didn't. And then uh, there weren't that many Bristol fans there. We, we did our best. I stood up once and shouted Bristol and uh, looked around and everyone was laughing at me. So I sat down again. Yeah. Um, but it's all right. It was it was easy to get to. Um, it, it, it but it it felt like a football stadium. And did you do a recce for us on the uh, the stash? I that, did. Yeah. You what do you reckon to, compared to Bristol? Well, you asked me to find the the, the shop. I, I searched high and low and ended up found, finding some porter cabin outside that said wasp merchandise and that was all it was. Mm-hmm. So I think we've got to put our travails into perspective a little bit. I mean, that I did I did meet up with uh, Rob Sutton, who was on last week, but bumped into him and he said that, that that's one of the issues they've got at the moment. The match day experience is not great for, for rugby at the moment. They haven't quite sussed it. Having said that, it did have a casino. And of course, you can imagine that they would want people to be going into casino with a sort of shirt and tie on. But after the game, I had about an hour to kill. I was with a couple of Bristol fans, Binzi and Mike, and we went into the casino. They welcomed us with open arms. We had a nice pint, sat down, a lot of beers on show. So a credit to the casino at the old uh, Coventry Building Stadium. It's something Ashton Ashton Gate could look at. It's brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Before we go off... Um, this weekend then um, look at some of the other games Friday night game Gloucester 26 uh, Leicester 33 uh, cracking game of rugby and uh, Leicester Le- Leicester are looking a bit like he did last season yeah, right. actually they're yeah, right. re- really good um, we're going to talk to Bath fans uh, a fan uh, in a moment uh, but Bath 13 Newcastle 20 I mean Bath were 23 down at half time so uh, things not good there Exeter 24 Northampton 26 we didn't see that one coming last week Uh, Quinns 35 Worcester 29 they're just carrying on aren't they Uh, if you score 4 against us we'll score 5 or 6 against you Uh, and then a humdinger at the first time that uh, London Irish have had a a proper crowd at uh, at their stadium. Irish thirty one, Sale thirty one. So certainly there's a there's a few surprises in the, uh, the the Premiership thus far. You're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Buzzsprout, and many more platforms. You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're at bearsbeyondgate. And on Facebook, you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page. Okay, well, disappointing in round two. Uh, Let's hope things pick up massively in round three. It's Bristol versus Bath, 1st of October, 
7.45pm kickoff this Friday uh, and it's also the main event on BT Sport. Um, we're hugely looking forward to that. Every Bristol Bath game is, uh, is, is one to relish. But before we talk about it, uh, let's listen to the latest of Pete's Premiership previews. So I am joined by Matt Price, who tweets as at Bath Bites. He's spoken to us before. Um, really pleased to have you on, Matt. Appreciate it. Now, we have both had a horrendous start to the season, um, but you were down the wreck yesterday, I believe. So I'd be really interested to know, you know, what was it like? What happened? What went wrong? Um, well, it was nice to be back. That was that was a nice thing, you know, turning up at the wreck and, you know, the place was buzzing blue black and white everywhere it was it was it was lovely you know the place was heaving with fans there was a lot of positivity around which unfortunately didn't really last too long um but it was it was nice to actually be sat in the wreck um you know beautiful place lovely great um sitting down with a lot of anticipation and hope of maybe actually not losing a game um we came close to nipping it against sale last week um Unfortunately, Orlando Bailey's last-minute kick fell, you know, just short of the post, and unfortunately, we lost by one point. But again, we had a very rubbish first half, um, and then we're playing catch-up, and then very nearly stole the game. Um, unfortunately, it seems that doing rubbish in the first half is starting to become a bit of a um, trend, because yesterday that was a painful forty minutes of rugby to watch. Um, Newcastle looked like they were playing with a rugby ball. Bath looked like they were playing with a bar of soap. Um, there was knock-ons. The, the amount of penalties that Bath were giving away is just ridiculous and killing Bath. There was stupid amount of scrum resets. Um, I mean, at one stage, it went on, I don't know, over five minutes of just messing about the scrum. Luckily, that time, Bath actually did win the scrum penalty and we managed to, to clear our lines. But we'd get in a good position and lose it. Um, there's a lot of indifference around the squad. It just doesn't seem that it's marrying very well. Um, one shining light is Max Jomo, um, following in. Well, he's not following in his father's footsteps because he's playing at centre. But um, absolutely, you know, he was he was the one real player that stood out amongst everybody yesterday. Everything good that Bath did yesterday centred around him, which was really nice. Um, you know, we had young um, Ollie Fox at scrum half. Orlando Bailey, 19 years old, playing at fly half. Uh, Max Ajamo at 12. So this is all really young lads, you know. Cipriani lasted 50 minutes, I think it was, last week uh, before he actually notified the, the ref that he's taken a knock to the head and he thinks he should go off for an HIA, which he failed. Spencer lasted not very long and then he looks like he could be out for quite some time. So we've only got two young scrum halves. So we're we're really struggling sort of player-wise, starting the season with three first-team, second-row players. That's it, three in the entire squad. Mm. There's some academy lads, but we've got, you know, Josh McNally, Charlie Yules and Will Spencer. At the moment, we have Charlie Yules fit. So when I play, we had Mike Williams play in second row yesterday. Um, Josh Bayliss or Tom Ellis has to fill in. So in positions, we are really pushing our luck. You know, we've got, obviously, still can't have um, Watson or um, Falatai still not red, uh, red Eagles, he's still on, you know, Lions, Lions. Um, stuff, you know, so we're, 
hopefully we should get some players back this week. But we're, you know, Underhill went off after 10 minutes yesterday. This is big players that we need to step up and we're losing them. So we're down to very thin in positions. A lot of youngsters coming in and trying. We knew that the academy was going to take a bit of a hump in this season. But I didn't think, you know, after like the second game, we're looking that, you know, the academy will be the main structure of the, the, the squad, which is quite concerning. What's um, out of interest, I mean, what was the feeling of the crowd at the end of the match? I mean, after you said all that massive anticipation and, and excitement of being back, did it turn quite quickly? I mean, what was your feeling about how the fans were? were? In the first half, um, it rapidly went downhill. By the by, half time, when you know you're twenty points to three down, um, and playing very turgid rugby and just not seeming to be firing. Like I have no doubt. It's following on from from last season. You know, it just seems that we've had all this hype. Mm. You know, Bath are going to be changing the corner, and we're going to, you know, we're doing this, we're doing yeah. that. All the the videos, a lot of hope and expectations being built up, and then we're back to what we were doing last year. Um, and the, there was stuff said in the stands by fans about Hooper that I possibly couldn't even tweet um, because there's not a lot of um, support yeah. for um, Hooper. The thing is, he was the captain and then suddenly he's a director of rugby. Um, he's not got any coaching badges. He's just gone in straight as a director of rugby. He's not got any experience anywhere else. Um and he, you know, he he loves Bath, and you can tell he loves Bath. But he also loves some good um, sort of uh, manager talk as well. He's um, very fluent in talking a lot, but not making many points. Corporate speak, um, yeah. Oh, he's all over the corporate speak. It's brilliant. Um, you can play bingo with some of the phrases that he's going to come out with. Um, but he, you know, we've got Neil Hatley, who's now the head coach, who was with England. The scrum was on roller skates yesterday. It was just going back. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, you know, with you know, this is the England, ex-England forwards coach. And he was doing a superb job there. But why all of a sudden is our scrum yeah. absolute toffee? It was just, it was painful to watch. So, you know what, mate? I, I almost feel sorry for you, except for the fact we've got to play each other on Friday. <laughs> now, I, I checked the results yesterday. Um, at five yeah. minutes before. And I will just say, I did tweet, well, there's one ray of light. Yeah, and I'm not surprised. Bristol, and Bristol have just been pumped. So having, that was, that was yeah. having said all that, if you cast your mind back to last season, obviously, the uh, the game at Ashton Gate. Now, we've we've had a terrible start to the season. Um, but one thing I do know is that we're, we're, we're pushing a lot of season, uh, sale, ticket sales this Friday. It's going to be a massive night under the lights. I think for both teams, it's a huge night, isn't it? Uh, it's a huge game. Um, we we have got to get our season on track. We're, 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 we've got naught points. We're bottom of the table. You, you as you rightly said, have, have, have had a disappointing start after a bit of hype. So I'm going to put you on the spot, Matt. I mean, what do you think is going to happen on Friday, realistically? So I'm being brave and I'm going to attend Ashton Gates once Good again. Lad. Um, the last time I went, it wasn't very, it wasn't a lot of fun. Um, it was bloody torture actually um and i'm gonna go um i'm very nervous um i know that you've had a guff start to the season you know it's it's not been great um some of the score lines 
shocking, you know, from from you know from a Bath fan looking at it. I mean, it's nice. Don't get me wrong; it's <laughs> lovely to see. You know, after the last couple of seasons, it's quite nice to see um, points like that being put on you. But we know what you're capable of. We know what you've got. Um, you guys have just done a massive investment in Pat Lamb as well, which is a very very bold move. Um, so you know, there's and then there's a lot of faith. In, in because of the last few seasons and how you built okay you've had a couple of bad games we've not had a good couple of seasons um it's starting as it was going last year so i don't have a lot of hope but i will always dream yeah so um I, i'm going very apprehensively I, I can't call the game because if you guys carry on playing like you are then maybe we could get a sniff but with the way we've started the matches, the last two games, um, and the, the penalties that were flipping out, we could get absolutely like, smashed off the park. So there's the potential. It can go both ways. And I think that's the first time in the last couple of seasons I've been able to say that as well, because I've gone, you know, yeah, we're going to Bristol, we're going to get stuffed. It's, you know, you guys have been flipping the ball around left, right, right and centre. You know, Radramba and Piertai, you know, doing their own little shows and, you know, flipping the ball here there and everywhere and you know doing blooming river dance with their feet it's, you know it's, mm-hmm. it's ridiculous but you don't seem to be firing at the moment so whether we can get into that and get some advantage from it or we get an angry beast coming back at us it's just i don't know it's really hard well i think it's good to hear that you you come in though you put your you put in your uh money where your mouth is and that's fair enough and with a lot of respect for coming down so um it's going to be a good night i hope it'll be uh it will be good to start with anyway i must i must warn you the queues for the beer in a stadium will be pretty long so have a few pints before you get in but if we do manage to catch up with you it'll be great to to say hello in person and and buy you a pint for doing that well pete It's fair to say that maybe between us and Bath, it's not the greatest advert for uh, rugby at the moment. No, no uh, Matt was very honest. Um, he, he said it was awful at the wreck, as you heard. Uh, he's bemoaning very similar things to us these first two games. Silly, silly, uh, silly mistakes, lack of, uh, you know, sloppy play. Um, but yeah, he, he gave, he gave us, uh, uh, a bit of incentive actually for Friday I've got to say I mean I think uh, he uh, he didn't he didn't he didn't hold out much hope does he but which I think is you know puts a little bit more pressure onto us because I, I think we have to win I, I really think we have to win otherwise we're going to go into what might be a, a mini crisis yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. And Pete, you know, I know we can't do it every week, but I think it was really great that you managed to speak with Matt um, on Sunday afternoon. We're recording this our usual time on Sunday evening. So to have that perspective of this week's game to then talk about next week's mm. is 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 really good. Um, Lee, let me come to you. Um, are you fancying our chances next Friday? Yeah, I think that we'll we would have. Certainly been Pat will go in tomorrow morning and give them their dryer, I think, and they'll they'll be up for it anyway. It's a local derby. We always are. I think Joycey will get them get them rocking. Um I think Joycey might play actually, if I'm honest. I'm pretty sure um Joycey's gonna be on the bench, I heard mm. through me old. Right. 
Great point. And one thing I was going to say, actually, because I, I noticed that actually Spencer and Cochrane Singer are out yeah. for Bath as well, long-term yeah. injuries. Cipriani's so, not guaranteed to play. He's, he's, mm-hmm. As Matt said, yeah. Hooper was very um and ah about it. Um, so, yeah. And, and um, I think... Um, What's his name? Underhill went off injured as well. Yeah. So we we don't know what we're going to face, but it's not going to be full strength, that's for sure. And I think Matt even said they only got one fit second row at the moment. So they've got their problems. Well, we've got... Obviously, Purdy's going to be straight back in the starting line. He's got to be. I know we'll talk about that later, but um, we don't know how far away Luke is. I mean, Luke's got to be pretty close, isn't he? Well, I don't know. Yeah. Some of the Some of the words that were on the commentary and you know I, I think it might be more longer term yeah. than, than we suspect yeah. um, so I think Nualago we know is that that, that that broken arm wrist um, so that that's going to be a good couple of months they were talking about Luke being out for a while as well so mm. um, yeah I think wing is going to be an issue for us yeah but no I'm, I'm still confident and to be honest I, I've I don't think there's any bigger incentive than after getting smashed at Wasp to to play our biggest rivals, our local rivals, uh, down at the gate. And I think the fans will be behind them again. And um, I'm confident of victory. Right. Well, let's come to Miles. Are you as confident as Lee? And Miles, just uh, after you answer that point, just tell me any changes you think Pat might make in the pack. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we're all 110% behind Bristol. And after that, uh, what would you, I mean, that's a, a drubbing this weekend, isn't it? Um, a rout. A rout, basically. Yeah, Pat will give them a, you know, strong talking to tomorrow morning. They'll be training flipping hard all week. And if, if something like a local derby is not going to sort of incentivise you to play 110%, I don't know what is really. Um you know, there'll be a massive fan base there, huge crowds, a lot of shouting from us and all the other thousands of fans. I'm confident of the win. I mean, we've had two pretty bad games, and I think Pete's right. Um, we lose this one, and it's a mini crisis, really, isn't it? Um, so so you, better, you better keep the Duchess away, mate. Well, she's yeah. not coming this week, thankfully. She's here, you see, flying in, babysitting, and then flying, going back up for girly weekend. So thankfully, we're all right. Well, another one. Yeah, another, another girly weekend up in Harrogate. Um, yeah, but we've got to play. We've got to switch on, really. Uh, do what we do best, and we'll get the win over Bath. Changes-wise, I mean... The scrum, as I described, you know, a little while ago, was encouraging. Um, we don't know if Thacker is out because of a little hip injury, maybe for one game. We'll see. But Capon was perfectly capable of coming in. Uh, and we know we've got potentially, I think, Kerr, who can come in on the bench. But I don't see any changes in the pack, really, at the moment. Um, it was strong enough. We know a lot of Bath first-team players are out. So that should be should be dominant, really. Um and maybe you guys want to talk about maybe where we might make changes in the backs. Yeah, I, I think unless a FOA is is fit, um, I can't see that we've got that many options. Uh, I don't know whether whether you'd unleash a Fitzharding or, or maybe bring him on, but it's got to that difficult position now, hasn't it, I think, with this Bath game, that because we've lost the opening two, this yeah. has suddenly become really important. Mm. Will Pat gamble too much? Or will he, you know, as he's done before, say to the boys that are, you know, 
messed up, go and put it right next week. Um, I just one person that we didn't mention was Dave Atwood, and I thought certainly in the first half against uh, Wasps, he looked like the one that did have a bit of fire yeah, in his belly. Yeah, yeah. But having said that, Dave Atwood always does look like that. Um, so let me come to you, Pete, and maybe your thoughts on the backs and what changes we may see. Is it is it a foregone conclusion? Purdy's in on the wing. Yes. I think so. I think he looked. He came on. He looks. He looked fit to me. He didn't pick up any injuries, and and he and he he looked. He looked like what we need. So I'd say Purdy again. I mean, I think it's controversial. I think I think Lloyd will stay on the wing because he did enough. But you know, we're going to be starting to think about. You know, are we thinking of Lloyd at ten to give him a go at some point? Um, and there's nothing not detracting from Sheedy, but I think we have to we have to have a competitive situation. Um, uh, at, at, at every position, and and Lloyd is a fly half, and he's playing well. So, um, so, but I don't think that'll happen. I think we'll stick with Sheeds. I, I personally think it's it's time to start Harry Randall. Um, a number of reasons. One, I think he does just give us that little zip, that extra zip that we need. Although that is not taken away from Andy Ren. He didn't have a bad game actually no. yesterday, um, and it's not easy when your forwards aren't dominating. Um, but I just think you know he's been picked for England for a reason. We've had two games where he hasn't started. We're going to lose him. Like we need to play him and get the most out of him. Um, so I, I think the you know I, I'm going to predict potentially Randall starts. Sheedy will Sheedy will, will be fly half, but I think Lloyd has got he's going to get a chance soon if nothing massively changes. I think the centres are interesting. I, I think Lua Leoa Leua sorry. And Piers O'Connor is, is problematic. I know Leo went off, so it may open the door for Bedlow to start. But then you have got, you could look at Purdy coming in the centres potentially as well, if they're a bit worried about the firepower in the middle. But that would be a big gamble, and I don't think he'll go for it. I think he'll, I think he, he could start with Bedlow and O'Connor, but that does slightly worry me. Let me let me run this one up the flagpole and see if it flutters. People talk about Semi Ranrandra being one of the fittest men uh, and most dedicated trainers. He's been back for a week. He'll have another week. Will Pat be tempted to to throw him in? It's a big one. It, it depends on the way he looks at it. I I, uh, I mean the risk of doing that is if he is undercooked and he pulls a hammy. You know, we lose him for another six weeks. It's it's a hard one, but if he feels that that is a weak area we've had, and we're we we it's a it's it's something that needs tightening, then you know it's not it's not a bad shout, Tony. I I, I mean, he's what do we think? He came back to England this week, maybe last week. We're not quite sure. So we're talking two last week yeah. weeks of training, mm. no preseason. But then that didn't you know stay with everyone. Um, it's a tricky one, that. It's a risk and it's a gamble. Is Pat a big gambler? Mm. Or is he a bit more... Uh, is he a bit more... Um, a bit conservative? more conservative with a little C, yeah. Mm. OK, Lee, you've heard the boys give their thoughts. What What do you reckon? Who do you think we might see in and out? Uh, to be honest, I can't tinker too much what the boys have said. I, I think that actually Purds on the wing makes complete sense for me. Um, I, I have got semi... 
yeah. in the side mm-hmm. um, because I, I think that actually he's he's not that undercooked because he has played more rugby anyway um, and I think that it's against Bath I, I, I do agree I don't think Pat would risk him if there was any chance of injury but I think if if you know he's going all guns blazing in training this week Sammy comes back in for uh, Alipati um, I agree Randall I'd start Randall instead of Uren um, and yeah I, but that's pretty much I think he'll go with the same the same team I've got another possible left field choice on, I can't then. remember if Miles said it because I wasn't listening when he was talking but I'm thinking number eight did it, did, I, I'm thinking there's a position that may come under scrutiny quite soon because I don't think Hughes has had much impact in the first two no. games and, that, and again on the, at the weekend I felt as though he didn't really offer a lot and he's so I'm thinking you know Mitch Eady hungry for success we don't know how he's been training is it the time to throw him in on a, a local derby get a bit of passion in the pack well, if you're saying, saying it's, a, it's a massively at left field choice but I just felt as though we need something a little bit more a bit more oomph in that pack a bit more local mm-hmm. and I was thinking Fitzharding potentially could be a, an answer I just think a bit of pace off the base of the scrum Slightly faster hands, but why not? Michidi's, you know, the preseason article about him being hungry to get his place back and wants to wants to perform. And what's a better time to get him in than the local derby? Uh, and we'll I see. do, I do think that that, that there's there's a good shout. I mean, Nathan Hughes hasn't been hasn't had the best start to the season, has he? No, he's he, he's, he's just been solid. Yeah, he's just he's been solid, but he needs. He, he needs a run of games, doesn't he? He seems to have but to we build saw their up number eight. We saw their number eight, like, galloping in from 50 yeah, yeah. yards yesterday. Yeah. You know, we need something. Well, Spark. The, the typical number eight now in other squads is a very mobile number eight, isn't it? Which is what Nathan doesn't really bring anymore. I think he's getting older. His pace has dropped a bit. And I don't think, you know, fans would love to see Fitzharding given a go, really. And, yeah, maybe... I mean, maybe Hughes, Hughes is good in the certain positions at certain points... But we haven't got into any of those positions at any points <laughs> at the moment. And I'm no. thinking, no. is that going to happen? So we'll see. That's, that again comes back to us having a plan B and a plan C, yeah. doesn't it? I, I think one of the difficult things with, with Nathan Hughes, I mean, he is an out-and-out out number eight. Yeah. Uh, so if he doesn't play, it's almost a gamble to have him on the bench because he can't really yeah. cover mm. a, 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 across the back yeah. three. Yeah. So, you know, in this modern game of rugby... You know, if you want to have three backs, which Pat always does, you need your front row, three, then you need someone in the second row, and then you need somebody that can play flanker or, or at like number a, eight. A heenan. Yeah, so I, I think the problem, if, if Nathan doesn't play, what you've got is a number eight. I suppose you could argue if you've got a, a number eight that can play across the different ones, so you can bring Nathan on and, and switch things round. But uh, I think it will be interesting, as you say, some of the big guns, the Luatoas, the Vuis, the, the Nathan Hughes, not quite firing. But uh, let's hope 20, 21,000 people at Ashton Gate um, are going to fire them up and uh, that we see a win. Which brings me on to prediction time. 
can, 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 I, can I claim a victory last week? Because I said it was going to be a draw and you, you all thought Bristol were going to win. Yeah, you got two out of yeah. two, Tony. Yeah, okay. No. No? <laughs> Absolutely not. What, 44-8? It's, it's not It's not, <laughs> a, it's not the result. It was a loss. He was still closest. Though, uh, no, still he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't. He, no, he didn't no. predicted the whole thing wrong. It's, it's only tongue-in-cheek. Um, yeah. Right, so this week I'm going to come to Miles first for your prediction for Bristol versus Bath. It... Don't 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 start with a sign. Okay. Come on, right, I'll give it to you. <laughs> All right. We need um, to boost the troops now. The listeners need it's boosting. It's difficult because we've got it so badly wrong in the last two games, and we don't know where this match is going. If we turn it around, let, I'm going to. It's not going to be a romp. But I'm going to go for twenty-one fourteen to Bristol. Okay, I'm going to come to you next, Lee. I'm going for a romp team. Go on then. I'm going for a proper thirty-six-six romp. Ooh. Pete, your thoughts? Well, it's his high risk, this, but I think that could be tight for 10 minutes or so, and then I think the pecker will be up and it will be a romping route. And I reckon we might start pushing that 50 points that we didn't quite get last season. Come on! Come on! So, what are you saying? <laughs> I'm saying. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying it, but I feel as though I've been a bit a bit like down the dumps this pod. So I'm saying it only takes a few knock-ons not to happen, a few penalties not to go against us. I'm saying 51-12. Get in. Ooh. Oh, come on! Oh, that's right as well. Well, Miles, I, I'm, I'm going to go more with you, fella, because... <laughs> I, I think both teams will be desperate not to lose this game. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I think it will be t- quite tight. But uh, I, I just do think we'll have uh, more firepower. So I'm going to go for a uh, 23 points to 10 win for Bristol. Um, OK, so just looking ahead at some of those other games, Northampton entertain London Irish. Uh Leicester at home to Saracens. Now, that will be a really interesting game to see how far Leicester have have progressed. Uh, Newcastle versus Wasps. And again, be interesting to see how Wasps perform there, Um, whether it was a bit of a a flash in the pan uh, this weekend or whether whether they are starting to build something. Worcester-Gloucester. I think Gloucester might struggle there. Uh, Worcester have been pretty free-scoring, haven't they? Mm-hmm. And then Sale against Exeter. Now, this one, I, I am interested to get your views very quickly round the table. Are Exeter going to lose their third game on the spin or are they going to go to the AJ Bell and pick a, a, a win up? I'm going to come to you first, Pete. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna narrowly win. Exeter? Yeah. Your thoughts? Every time we've written Chiefs off, they've come back and turned it around and uh, Chiefs will win. No, I think they'll suffer their third defeat on the bounce. I mean, they've got a few play- made key players out. My mate, yeah, it's the Chiefs' mate is worried. So a loss again. I, I think it will be really tight, this one. I'm going to go for a draw. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Actually, I was going to... I noticed, I mean, London Irish drew a game 
They they draw a lot of games. Lot of yeah. I'm going to start putting a couple of quid on Irish to draw. I reckon I'd make my money back every yeah. season. They, they drew two or three last season. They well, did. Yeah. Yeah. Us, and, they? and usually it's about twenty to one, twenty-two yeah. to one. So that's that's going to be my money making scheme for. For, for this year it's that stadium isn't it because didn't Brentford also get a 3-3 three, three draw against it's Liverpool it's it's yeah. the, the Brentford community draw stadium <laughs> so uh, there we go well we've uh, one thing we have got to look forward to um, is um, uh, supping some ale and I'm sure we oh. we and all Bristol fans will not only sup a few pints before but after uh, Pete's 51-12 predicted <laughs> victory will sup even more afterwards and it's great news that uh, Bristol Beer Factory now have got the deal with Ashton Gate to su- um, supply uh, the beer so to give you a little taster of what you may be tasting on Friday. We spoke to Sam Burrows, the uh, managing director of Bristol Beer Factory, uh, Factory about the deal uh, and what you can maybe expect on Friday night. Well, I'm delighted to say that uh, on Bears Beyond the Gate this week, we have Sam Burrows from the Bristol Beer Factory. Sam, thanks ever so much for coming on the podcast. Tony, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Um, first of all, um, how did the deal, the sponsorship deal with Bristol Sport and uh, Ashton Gate, how did that come about? Well, it's probably been about seven years in the making, really, Tony. I've been speaking to Mark Kelly, who's uh, the MD down at the stadium, for, well, I say, for about seven years. And he's always been very keen to get more local businesses involved within the stadium. Um, and I suppose, really, the timing was just right for us this time with with the pandemic and lockdown it was a bit of an opportunity to bring some in fresh for the fans as they come back after sort of 18 months away so yeah we were really lucky in our timing that's fantastic and can i ask you know do you or uh people that are involved with the bristol beer factory have you, have you got connections with the clubs with with city and uh and the bears um no more than you know there's a few season ticket holders for for the football and for the rugby, our head brewer Tristan is a, an avid Bears fan, um, and most of us are sort of rugby orientated at the brewery. So we've all got a, we all support Bristol. There are, you know, there are some ringers out there who've got their, uh, their fingers in other pies when uh, certain other clubs turn up. But we <laughs> just want what's best for the city. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Now, um, as fans, I think we can expect to be able to sample in and around the ground, um, or in the ground, actually, three of your brews. Um, could, could, could you tell me what those three are? Yeah, so right across the stadium, you have got three of our beers who are available in like every bar. So we have a beer called Fortitude, which is our sort of amber, best bitter cask beer. Um, and that is a beer that's all about balance between malt and beautiful English hops. It's really clean, Moorish, and really quaffable. Um, so you'll find that across all the concessions. We also have another beer called Independence, which is our sort of big tropical aromas, citrusy hops. It's a 4.6% IPA, and that's available everywhere as well. And that's kind of the beer that represents Bristol Beer Factory the best. Um, and then we have another beer called Clearhead, which is our alcohol-free, which is a beautiful little pale ale, um, hot with mosaic and citra. Um, and the probably the beer that I'm most proud of at the brewery and we get 5% of our uh, 
of our of our sales to a charity tour club which is a men's mental fitness movement um which was born and bred in bristol which their first ever meetings were held at our brewery and they've grown up to sort of 70 clubs across the world now um and we're really proud to work with them and support them so every beer that's bought that ashton gates some of that money goes to help sustaining that charity and that, that that's fantastic and that's is is it zero alcohol or is it low alcohol that one it's 0.5 yep yeah, so, so zero. yeah, so if 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 people maybe just fancied one um, and uh, had to uh, to get away at quickly after the game, that's that's maybe a good one to go for. Um, Perfect. Yeah. Now, of course, we've got the the big game game coming up uh, on Friday against that lot from down the road. Um, can can you tell me is is there anything else you're doing? Is is it just the beers inside the concessions, or is there anything else you're doing at the at the stadium? Yeah, at the stadium, we will be doing uh, a couple of pop-up bars around. Um, I don't know, I assume you're at the Saracens game. The queues for the concessions are really busy. Um, and if the fans had come outside at halftime, they would have seen all the bars serving all the beers from around the ground um, were quite quiet. So a bit of advice for the fans is get out into the fan zone at halftime and you could probably grab a pint and fill another pint up and get back to your seat ready for the start of the second half with ease. So, yeah, we'll have pop-ups outside um, in the fan zone opposite the Independent Sports Bar. We'll also have a little pop-up in the South Stand as well. Um, And I think this week um, there's going to be lots of other pop-up bars and events going on around the stadium as well to help with some of the queues. That's fantastic. Is that the same three beers or or is it a broader range of your beers at the pop-ups? We'll have a few more, actually. Yeah, the the Fortitude of the Independence will be on in the pop-ups. We'll also have another one of our beers called Notorious, which is a sort of 3.8% hoppy sort of session pale ale. We'll have a bit of milk stout outside as well for the dark beer lovers. And we'll have, as I say, Independence and Fortitude pouring as well. So a good choice around the ground. That that sounds fantastic. I'm a particular fan of your milk stout, so uh, I'll, I'll be down for one of those uh, certainly before the game. Yeah, yeah, we'll certainly will. Uh, Sam, uh, you know, best of luck with this um, sponsorship. I think I talk for many fans that it's so good to see a brewery that is literally just up the road now supplying the beer for for Bristol Bears. Uh, well, I, th- I think it's a great deal. Um, and just before I let you go, um, have you got a prediction for the Bears versus Bath game on Friday? 26-13. To Bristol. Of course. <laughs> Sam, thanks ever so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Thanks for having us. Speak to you soon. Well, I, I mean, I just love the fact they've been so persistent around, you know, trying to do something with the Bears. Um and what a great top tip. So they've got the pop-up outside the stadium. So at half time, instead of getting in those massive queues, get outside, see the Bristol Beer Factory boys. And I'll tell you what, Milk Stout, I do like their mm, Milk Stout. Oh, yeah. Tone, let's just keep it amongst ourselves, that one. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to edit that bit out? Then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna, it's gonna be to the relief of a lot of the uh, staff on the concourse as well, isn't it? If we take a few, a few supporters away from that at the time. <laughs> yeah, but uh, what, what fantastic! You know, it, it is a brewery literally just up the road, supplying the beer for for city. 
for for the Bears. And, you know, to hear that Tristan, the head brewer, big Bristol Bears fan as well. So, uh, well, it's yeah. Our, it's our home before uh, before kickoff, isn't it? We always go and pop in there for a pint and... Yeah, you know, it's our it's our local. We 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 often do, don't we? We often do, except for the times when we don't. <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you what, I think it's a great incentive to get down the ground early, knowing that you're going to get some decent booze on yeah. the outside there in the fans' village. So, uh, um, Sam, uh, thanks for the interview, and uh, you know we wish you every success with this. Uh, this venture with Bristol Sport. Um, actually, we we talked just a while ago about predictions for the um, the Bath game, and uh, if you listened last week, you'll know that we've got our own league in the Premiership Predictions League. Um, numbers have swelled. There's 25 people now <laughs> taking part. And Lee, let, let me come to you. Um, guess who is bottom of the newly expanded league of 25? <laughs> With zero out of twelve predictions correct. That's shocking, Tony. But I'm I'm looking to my left, and the guy smiling at me is Pete. So I'm imagining is it Pete by any chance? Bristol Saint is cropping oh, up. Really. Very simple explanation. Oh, don't no, don't give me, don't give me. I didn't have time to do my predictions. If you if if you don't predict, you're out. I just love the fact that he just he fo- he loves his football team so much. He he would follow them to the bottom of the table as well. So well done, Pete. <laughs> Yeah, true support. Yeah, but just like Bristol Bears, I'm starting slowly, and I'm gonna make it, I'm gonna gain momentum, and let's see who's at the top at the end of the season, boys. All right. Um, so I haven't even entered it yet, and I've got as many points as Pete. Well, basically, yeah. Anybody that does want to enter, you you have a great chance of not being bottom with, with, <laughs> with Pete, Pete, Pete's current form. Uh, right, Miles. Let me come to you next. Um, we have uh, a new signing for the club, um, and I don't know if people have seen this about uh, someone that's joining the academy, uh, Lucas Bertie Newman, um, who is coming from Ireland, uh, a centre, uh, and uh, evidently it's a three-year deal with the academy. Now, Miles, you're, you're 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 looking as blank. You're looking you're looking as blank as the wall that's behind you. So, actually, I'm going to come to Pete, who who does actually yeah. is nodding. Um, your thoughts on yeah, this? Yeah, it's a bit under the radar. This well, one. it does, and, and from what I've read on reports, is that it's it, it's kind of Ireland's best kept sort of academy or youngster secret, and people are sort of saying that Leinster shouldn't have let him go. So he's a uh, uh, a very promising centre, I believe, is that ah, tone, and yep. he loves an offload, which we could do with a few of them at the moment. Um, one thing I've got to say, because I, I did read most of this stuff on Twitter, that there was a picture on Twitter from when it was first announced through his club, and the picture on Twitter bore no resemblance to the one that was put on the official Bristol Bears <laughs> account later on. So I don't know who this random guy was on the first tweet that I saw. He looked like um, some sort of Adonis. But, um, yeah, this guy, apparently he's got a brother, and he's... he's uh, and apparently, for, as a geography teacher, my my uh, my antennae were raised. He, he Doesn't he qualify to play for Chile or something like that? It's, uh, he's got some sort of Chilean heritage as well. As well oh, as yeah, it, no, it is. Yeah, it was definitely there was a there was a tweet in Spanish about it from the Chile official Chile Rugby Union, and it said something like uh, "Los 
Ardos, uh, British Dollars, or something like that. So, uh, well, there we go. What language was he speaking then? <laughs> yeah. I'm just loving how Miles is on his phone Googling that. <laughs> <laughs> so, professional to the last mile. I know, I know at least one of our listeners out there will know the answer to whether he's uh, from, he's a chip. Well, they are, Pete. Bristol Bears leave outrageous midfield talent away from Leicester. So there we are. So this guy potentially, you know, signed him for the academy, but but he yeah. could be a fast riser then, yeah. Well, let, the way the season's going, he could make his debut in about three weeks. <laughs> right. So moving along, then a uh, bit of bit of social media uh, engagement here. We had a question from uh, one of our big uh, listeners, Roddy Jenkins, and Roddy said, and I'm going to pass this to you, Lee. Um, a possible discussion topic for tonight's Bears Beyond the Gate recording. Would the lads and fellow Bears fans like to see Sarah Cox refereeing a match at Ashton Gate? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's brilliant, but I don't want to make too much of a fuss of it because I think that, you know, it. we all know the women's game is, is coming on leaps and bounds now, but I want it to be something we don't talk about and then it becomes actually just normal. Do you know what I mean? If that makes sense. It would be great. It would be fantastic. Um, as long as, obviously, she has her Bristol head on. And, um, no, I think it, it would be great. And I think that I'm looking forward to an era where, actually, these things aren't talked about. They just become the norm. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I, th- I think it will be great. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, all we ever want, regardless of who it is, is the referees to be good and fair and, and, yeah. and, and, and you know, long, keep, keep the game flowing? As long as it doesn't coincide with a Radio 2 show, it'll be fine. Yeah, Absolutely. I, think it <laughs> might, I think it might be a different one. Um, OK, um, I don't know if you also picked up on social media. Uh, one of the young uh, Bears fans called Toby is uh, <laughs> doing a charity event uh, all through the season. And we're hoping Toby's going to join us on next week's show. We're just trying to organise that. But he is going to be very busy because uh, he, he's raising money um, at, for, uh, I think it's for the, um, the hospice. And what he decided to do, and I really like this, it's a really clever idea, something different. And he probably thought he was going to get an easy, easy one. He's going to run a kilometre for every point that Bristol concede. And what he's going to do is run those kilometres between the game where they concede those points and the next game. Now, we now know, and Paul Toby knows as well, and he's at school, Toby, mind, um, that Bristol conceded 44 points. Now, that's 44 kilometres. And if I'm not mistaken, a marathon is 42 <laughs> kilometres. So Toby, between now and the bath game, is going to have to try and get out there and uh, get some kilometres in. Now, I'm sure all listeners would forgive him if he has to carry a few over. And let's hope Bath don't score too, too many. But we are going to try and get Toby on. We're going to speak to his mum and dad and hopefully he'll be on for an interview on next week's show. Lee? Well, so now we know the real reason that we're conceding all these points then. It was, it's obviously Pat's uh, version of the, the charity fund, mate. It's, uh, it's raising the kitty up. Poor old Toby's going to suffer for it. Yeah, so Toby, uh, good luck with your 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 running this week, and uh, we look we look forward to speaking to you hopefully after the bath game. So so you can assess how many kilometres. Let's hope for your sake 
you know, maybe it's a shutout or may, maybe we'll let them have the three three points. Um, so we look forward to, to speaking to you next week. Well, that's nearly it, fellas. But uh, one thing that's been buzzing around for a while and certainly since that semi-final defeat uh, at home against Harlequins was maybe the, the fact that, you know, this has been talked about for a, a, quite a few seasons, that Bristol really have only one song or chant, and that's our our, our famous Bristol, Bristol. So we were talking about this after recording last week's show, and we thought maybe it's an opportunity to change this. So this will either be a game changer as far as fan participation, or we are going to fall flat on our faces. So... Um, well, Pete, do you want to tell the listeners what we've come up with? Well, what we thought was is that, you know, we need something that everybody can sing along to um, to just kind of G the atmosphere up at regular basic bases through the game, almost regardless of what's going on. Um, uh, because obviously, you know, we all know that when you turn over page one of the Bristol Bears songbook, it, it, it's blank. So we thought, well, what's the song that everyone knows? And of course, everyone last season got very aware of the Blackbird. We saw it all on social media being playing, uh, being being sung by the lads after they won the games. So we thought, yeah, the Blackbird would be good, but we've got to give it a little bit of a... It's got to have a bit of impetus. So we then thought about the old... Uh, you know, when Iceland did the... In the Euros, did the old thunderclap, didn't we? So we thought what we should do is publicise a, a specific time... And we're saying ten minutes. This is going to. This is now going to be called the ten, ten minute, minute tune. tune. And what we want, I mean, we've got to. Unfortunately, I just realised, Tony, that it's not. It doesn't count up the clock, does it? It counts down from forty. So when it gets to thirty, so it could be quite yeah. confusing for some people. But when the clock gets to thirty, we want as many people to stand up and do the following. Where we. And so on. And if we can, uh, we can do that and get a kind of oral Mexican wave going around the stand. We think that would be good. The only caveat, which we discussed right before we online, is that if it's the thirty or the ten minute, just as we're about to like take a line out for a rolling ball or we're about to score, the rule is we'll wait until that play is finished. And then when it stops, we'll then do it then. In so, other words, we don't do a dangzy. Yeah. 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 So, t- 10 minutes, we want people to stand up, do the thunderclap and get the old, um, get the old Blackbird going. Right. So, uh, when that clock in the first half counts down to 30 minutes remaining... Look for four blokes <laughs> yeah. in the dolmen. E thirty block in the dolmen, about halfway up at the, the upper section. Get to their feet. Watch those arms. <laughs> watch the thunderclap. <laughs> Where be that blackbird too? I know okay. very be. So so you know we we've got hundreds of listeners. So my plea is to you, don't leave us hanging and I know for a fact uh, that there's at least two blokes in the south stand who've agreed <laughs> based on a conversation <laughs> there's, there's at least six of us they signed a contract they're sitting in the south stand I'll name them it's our good friend Binzi and his mate Michael 
They are sat behind the goal in the south stand. They have signed a contract to say that they are going to do it as well on 10 minutes. Right. Give so that. you see, when the clock countdown clock hits 30, we'll be standing up and join us. And let's get the gate rocking. Come on. Right, guys. Well, that's it for, for this week. Um, thanks ever so much, uh, Miles, for, for hosting. Um, if you like what you've heard, please do subscribe and leave a review or rating for us on your favourite podcast pl- platform. Not a platform, a platform. Uh, we'll be back next week with our review of the Bath game and a preview of the Quinns match. Until then, goodbye, stay lucky and come on, Briz. Come on, Briz.